Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I discuss how the attitudes, habits, traditions, roles, and expectations in our homes influence the hearts, minds, spirits, and bodies of our children and the nation. I'm Jody Chafee, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Rachel DeMille of a Thomas Jefferson Education. And in this interview, Rachel gives us great insights into developing our family culture. And what she gives us is just a little snippet into a lot of the resources that she has available on tjed.org and in her book, Leadership Education, The Phases of Learning, that she co-authored with her husband, Oliver. It's an excellent book. It's an excellent program. And I hope you enjoy this interview. Rachel DeMille is, among other things, a successful entrepreneur, a best-selling author, a homeschooling mom of eight-plus kids, and a devoted wife in reverse order of importance. She mentors thousands of parents and teachers online on topics relating to education and family culture. When asked for a one-line definition of her personal mission, she responds, to heal families. She enjoys a wide variety of music, owns too many cats at the moment, and has the cutest grandkids in the world. See her award-winning works at tjed.org. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. <laughs> oh, dear. I think, I think we should have just said, here's Rachel. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful bio. You have accomplished a lot of things. I aspire to be you. Like, that's so awesome. I, I definitely encourage people to go to tjed and see all of your works. You're, you have a, a lot of amazing, amazing work and content on there. Anything else that you want to expand on about you and about what you do? Oh, my. <laughs> Just briefly. I, you, you said that you aspire to be me. I aspire to be me. I, I listen to that bio, and, and, you know, you put your best foot forward in, in five lines, and it really doesn't d- display the complexity of, of a life. Mm. I, I assure you, I, you know, yesterday I don't think I got out of my pajamas until uh, my husband got, a, got you know, away from his writing and I, so I had to run and change my clothes because I had to run to town but you know <laughs> I have those days hey yeah oh well today I, I had makeup on first thing but you know my kids aren't perfect my house isn't perfect um I'm learning as I go just like everybody mm. but I will say that a lot of things are working very well and things that used to be just you know ideas and principles talking about how to build a family how to raise youth when my children were just little we've been we've been doing this for 20 some odd years Mm -hmm. so talking about how to to raise a family how to educate a family for leadership and you know in the early years there was a lot of well it sounds good it sounds right and I really believe in it but now 20 years later we've got five you know, adult kids and the proof is in the pudding and it's just so gratifying to see, you know what, it really does work. I have a friend who's, you know, about 15 years ahead of me on the, on the mommy track. And Mm -hmm. I remember when we used to hang out at her house, her youngest kids were the same age as our oldest kids. And I would look at her children and say to her, how, how did you do it? How did, how come your kids like each other? How come (laughs) her kids would sit on the couch 
you know, these girls, she had three girls in a row and they'd sort of just sort of drape over one another and play with each other's hair. It was almost like monkeys grooming. Cute. <laughs> they were just, they, they were, it was just adorable the way they were just friends, you know, mm-hmm. they were just, they enjoyed each other's company. They shared everything and, and they didn't get along perfectly because nobody does, especially not teenage girls in a house. <laughs> I remember asking her, how did you do this? Yeah. What? what does it take to have a family that works like this, that loves each other, that, that prefers home to any yeah. other place? And she just looked at me knowingly and said, you know what, Rachel, it, don't worry. You're on the right track. It's all going to work out just fine for you too. And, and she was right. She was right. There's, there's, um, there's no magic pill and there's no hundred percent guarantee for anybody because anybody can come through tragedies and mm. traumas and, and kids that are just plain hard, no matter how perfect a parent you are. Yeah. But all in all, there really are principles that you can apply to, you know, lead toward family success and, and to meet your goals as a, as a family. That's so comforting to hear you say, because that's how I feel, because I'm just starting out with my family. We're all young, and, and I see... You have families like you and other families that I'm like, wow, they're amazing. This is so incredible what they're doing. And it seems like they have it all. They can do it all. And But everybody has to start somewhere. And there's yeah. an online process of getting to where you envision yourself being. And I think that that's like you saw that there, that other family had a culture that you could aspire to. and And you just started taking the steps. Taking the, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what are some of those steps that you took to start developing your family culture and being, you know, conscientiously um, cultivating culture? Well, I'm going to pick two words that you said that that sort of resonated with me. The first was envision, mm-hmm. and one was, and the uh, the second was conscientiously. Mm-hmm. And both of those speak to a sort of deliberate course of action. And to to envision something, you have to spend some time mm. to ponder on it and ask yourself, what is what is it that I value? What do I want? And by de- definition, when you decide who you are and what you want, there are things that you are not and things that you cannot mm. because they compete yeah. with those values. And and it it doesn't come to you full blown. You don't know everything about every situation. None of us does. No yeah. matter how clear your vision is, you don't know how to how to handle the next challenge specifically because that's just the parenting gig. The yeah, homeschooling doesn't fix that. You know, being churchy doesn't fix that. There's nothing that makes it so you have all the answers from the word go. Yeah. But if you do live deliberately, if you have a vision, if you know what you want it to feel like, taste like, smell like, mm. then you have, you can play this game of hot or colder. Yeah. <laughs> right? This feels good. Uh, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and if, 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 if I could say one thing, it would be that. Yeah. Play, your, play a game of hot or colder every day of your life, in every moment. If it feels like you're off, stop and say, hmm. If I turn this way, does that feel better? Does that feel right? Even doesn't matter who disagrees with you, yeah, or who's applauding your decision that you feel yucky about. Doesn't matter if you can stop and live deliberately and say, "Hmm, what does this feel like? Is this good? Is this is, is this right?" That is 
in a nutshell, that's, that's all of it. Yeah. There's, you know, there's ways to become more in tune with that. Mm -hmm. There's ways to have a, a better view of what your possibilities are. Because, I mean, until you look at that family where the teenage girls actually enjoy one another's company, you might not even know that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. you got to do your research. you got to do have, some observation. You have, to, you have to be able to conceive of your ideal. And so I think that was where we started. Um, was My husband and I are both idealists. We're both kind of um, purpose-driven personalities or we want to feel like there's meaning in the things that we do and the choices that we make. We, we're not the kind of just sort of clock in, clock out, and then kick your feet up. You know what I mean? Yeah. We like to feel sort of purpose-led. And that's always been, that's, in fact, <laughs> as we started out when we first married, that was one of the very few things that we had in common. <laughs> <laughs> good start. That's a good start. <laughs> but with that in mind, um, you know, his, his parents had a successful marriage. My parents had a successful marriage. Um, but at the same time, they were so very different from mm. either of those couples that we couldn't really look at them and say, oh, yeah, I see. That's what we should do, because it, it didn't really it didn't really mesh with my personality, his personality, our style, um, this this time, uh, this season in, you know, history. Yeah, we have different challenges. Yeah. And so to just look at them and say, there's my roadmap. It wasn't that easy a, a fit. Yeah, and and so we were looking for that kind of model, that kind of roadmap. We looked in in um, the talks of of spiritual leaders and the writings of in scripture, and we looked in literature. And little by little, we started piecing together things, playing that hot or colder that just yeah. sort of said, "Okay, this is what we want it to feel like." And um, as as you and I chatted prior to to putting this together um you talked about you know what kind of family you want to be and how you make that family culture and i think it's important to note that there are different ideals for different families what's yeah what my family values at a deepest level i mean it it won't necessarily be be completely um you know opposite of what somebody else who who believes in family yeah but, again, just like looking to our own parents as a model, it, it's difficult even to look to one another as a model. Yeah, yeah. We all have is. different values. We all, you know, as you were talking about that, about values and thinking, what's, that's not me or this is me. You know, it's like when I would be around other women who are super crafty and into quilting and doing projects, and I'm like, that's not me. And I st- kind of struggled with it at first. But then I kind of I came to terms with it, like, that's okay because I have other gifts. I have other talents that I'm developing that are going to be valuable to my family and the the vision that I have for for my family. I think that's a hugely important point you make because you look at somebody, for example, the, who is the quilty, crafty person, and you like the way their family culture is playing out. And so you say to yourself, well, how do I get that without quilting? Right? <laughs> I mean, you can find people who are all into, you know, going on international humanitarian visits. Mm. And that, that's kind of, they build their family stuff around that. Yeah. Others are really into sports. Yeah. Or, or you know, high-level musical performance or whatever. Yeah. There are a lot of things that, that can be that kind of polarizing to define a family. And yet, 
at the deepest level, at the deepest values, I think there are things that we share. Mm-hmm. And there are things that, that can unite us. We don't have to think, okay, that person's not a homeschooler. That we really don't have any way to connect. Or that person doesn't do soccer. I don't know what we'll have to talk about or how can we... I mean, logistically, yeah, there are challenges if somebody's got 12 hours a week outside of the home with tournaments. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, supporting one another and Mm -hmm. finding inspiration in one another, we don't need to draw the lines so clearly along those those unique um, culture type, um, sub club type, if you will. We all want our children to know that we love them and we want them to grow up to become balanced and wholesome and contributing and right. Those all, those all contribute to a unified goal. Yeah. Yeah. In our family culture. And I think what you just said is that, that is, that is the essence of it. In defining family culture, you have to ask yourself, what is the most important thing I want my children to know, to feel, and to do. And it's probably not going to be anything to do with the SATs mm-hmm. or the name of an instrument or the name of a school or it, it you, you're probably going to have to go 10, 15 down the line before you start talking about those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I would, mm-hmm. I would, I mean, I'm sure there, there are families, families that maybe not that maybe, you know, getting into a certain school is everything to them. But I think if you can come up with a list, a hierarchy of goods, of your deepest, deepest held values, where I want my child to, what you said, yeah, know he's loved, whatever, yeah. or know his, if you're a religious person, you might have specific religious tenets that are just central to what you want to communicate to, to your children. Um, and things like... Um, how do I know what is true? Mm-hmm. What is my relationship with my family? What is my role in my community? Mm. What is right? What is wrong? Yeah. What is moral my, compass? What is exactly the moral compass? And if if that's the place that we orient ourselves with that moral compass, then um, it doesn't matter quite so much what other things define us as a family. And it really helps us to navigate the challenge of the child who doesn't fit our predetermined mold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you've got family yeah. where they're all sporty and then you've got the artist and, oh my gosh, what do we do? Sell him? Obviously, uh, that is intended as a joke. But <laughs> if we have that hierarchy of goods, the first five to 15, that just really yeah. don't matter if the child is disabled or gifted yeah. or has a divergent learning style or, or, you know, whatever it is. Those five to fifteen things on our hierarchy of good, if we have a any kind of clarity on those and we share those with our our, our spouse or partner to to know what we want, what it's supposed to feel like, taste like, smell like, you yeah, know, yeah, then then the rest of it, it's not only easier to avoid certain pitfalls, it's easier to distinguish between competing goods. What do you mean that's by that? The, well, there's, that's one of the hardest things we do, I think, in parenting and homeschooling is saying, um, you know, like you say, there, there's people around you that, that quilt and they have awesome families and, well, yeah. 
quilting is a good and it competes okay. for your attention because you think you want to have what they, that family has and so therefore but no if you're really clear on what you want why you want it then you don't have to quilt to get this or that and you don't have to put your child in that club and you don't have to um, put your child in that school and you don't have to you know, watch that series that everybody is watching on TV. You just, it's easier to, to set aside, this is who we are and this is why we are. And little by little, you, you just build a life. And it's not like every single day you have to recite, you know, a 20 minute mission statement, <laughs> but just being deliberate, yeah. thinking about things and playing that hotter, colder game as you go through your, yeah. your days in your life. It might be worthwhile, Jody, to, to do some, some practical suggestions yeah. on things. Yeah. So what are some things like you could do maybe daily affirmations or a daily a vision board or, you know, things like that? How, how do you develop your vision of, of your family culture? Well, um, there's a little, there's a little technique that, that we use and we recommend that has a couple of elements. One we call the inventory, where at least once a year you sit down and you clear your schedule and recommit to the, only the most important things that you, that really are bringing adding value. No matter, you know what it takes, you you pare down some things. So that's the the you know six month no we call that. Yeah, yeah. And then the there's the six month purge, uh-huh. <laughs> where you you clear your space. So you just with the six month no you've cleared your time. With a six-month purge, you clear your space. Yeah. You get rid of things that are, you know, they don't have a place or they they take too much effort to take care of or yeah. whatever. And by clearing your time and your space, all of a sudden you have new choices. You're not spending so much effort on things that don't really add value. Um, the other thing is more on a weekly basis, and we call that the blank page brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And with that... The idea is you, you, you find a time, and hopefully it's a time that you can do on a recurring basis so you know that that's your time. Sometimes when you have a lot of little teeny kids, that's really hard to make that kind of a commitment because you don't have yeah. personal <laughs> time. And you kind of just have to, you know, be washing one kid's head in the bathtub while you've got your right. hand on a pen and notepad. <laughs> just a word to those moms. It will pass, I promise. Don't don't let this, you know, idealism that we're talking about discourage yeah. you because that is a period that I went through. I mean, oh my goodness, when my first three were little, you literally needed a rake to get through my house. <laughs> my dad, I, I had a rake <laughs> to clean up my carpet. <laughs> yeah. My dad came one time with a stack of laundry baskets and he said, Rachel, here. Could you please just use these if somebody's coming over? <laughs> <laughs> so I've come along. Oh, that's comforting. <laughs> it, was, it was, well, in my defense, I had three babies in two and a half years. Oh, wow. And, and my husband and I were starting a business, and he had some health problems. There was a lot of high-demand things, and I didn't sleep. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was like, well, I can... I can be the best mommy in the world and the best wife in the world and let the house go, or I can fix up the house. And guess which one I picked? Yeah, I yeah. was a great wife and I was a great mommy. I really, really was. But my house was not great during the first three years. <laughs> anyway, my point being, yeah. if you are one of those 
new moms or moms with a lot of young kids take heart. It's not always going to be that way. Just be at peace, get through this time and, you know, love your babies, love your honey, take care of business. Maybe You're try to enjoy some things. <laughs> yeah. But back to my other point, which is on a weekly basis, um, get a notebook and a pen and sit down a quiet time and brainstorm, write the name of a person on top of, the, of a page. Might be your own name. What do I need? Mm-hmm. And, it, and this should not be, make sure you don't invite the voice of criticism or judgment to this party. Yeah. This is intended to be the voices of your better angels mm-hmm. giving you counsel. If you hear negativity, maybe you want to have a page in the back of the notebook where the criticism of judge, judgment, you can write it down if you must. And then when it's all done, tear that page out, put it in an envelope, say thank you very much for your input, and put it in a drawer or burn it if you're, yeah. if you're able. And, and <laughs> then garbage. go back to the other stuff. If you can't dismiss it entirely, at least segregate it. Yeah. But this, this, this exercise is intended to really get clarity on that hot or colder, but in a more structured and specific and intentional way. Yeah. Um, what we usually do is, write down the name of one of the children. Well, I, we do it personally. So I, I will take my time and I'll write down the name of one of my children at the top of the page and say, okay, what does Freeborn need mm-hmm. from me this week? And it's important to note that this is not a to-do list for Freeborn. Yeah. This is a to-do list for me. Yeah. Where I stop and say, you know what? He has been telling me for, for weeks that his phone that I have asked him to use to record some things for me is acting up and he really badly needs another one. <laughs> and I've done nothing about that. I really need to respond to that request, not only because I need him to follow through on that, but because he's probably feeling a little frustrated that mm-hmm. I'm not hearing him, you know? Oh, okay. Or it might be little, little tyke, uh, little Annie has some brand new shoes that light up and she's tickled to pieces. And, um, I feel inclined to to mention to my husband, hey, will you notice Annie's shoes? That would please her like you just can't Mm -hmm. believe. It can be so-and-so needs lap time this week. So-and-so needs gel pens. Mm. So-and-so needs a trip to the library. So-and-so needs you to listen while she recites something. And and just listen to that voice of of inspiration and write down a to-do list for yourself and just brainstorm it. Don't think of it as I'm going to do everything on this list. Think of yeah. everything that occurs to you that could be helpful. And then when you're all done, then you do you filter it a little bit and see what feels like the most important thing for me to do. And if you do that on a consistent basis, if you if you have, you know, six or fewer kids, you can usually get do that weekly. Uh-huh. That sounds like very conscientious and actively shaping your culture, your family culture because you're addressing your children's needs. And that's that's huge. That's huge, helping them to feel a part of the family and welcome and loved by mom and dad. Yeah. Well, and you, and you find when you do that, you become aware of things like, oh, so, so-and-so's having hormonal changes. I didn't really realize that until I stopped to think about it. Or so-and-so seems all of a sudden like she doesn't want to be with that certain friend anymore. I should probably ask if something has happened that has made her feel uncomfortable. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you become aware of things as you just pause and ask the question, what is needed? 
what is wanted. And that can open your mind to things that you are aware of but didn't give conscious thought to. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, that's that's just a technique. Mm -hmm. But for me, some of the most important things that we do in terms of building a family culture are environmental. Okay. Um, and so, I don't know, our, our time's probably getting short here, so I, I don't want to take too much more time. But um, just some of the things, because you asked me before to think on what, what we do to build our family culture. Mm-hmm. And, and in our family, there's a lot of time spent together talking about ideas and things. And that's, that's important to us. It's not natural in today's society for a family of this size and this type to, to do that. Usually everybody has their own little life, their own set of friends, their own calendar. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, society doesn't really reward this or, or make it convenient. So some of the things that we have done to, to kind of remove the, the friction against that, our ideal, is um, nobody in the house has devices that are used for personal entertainment okay it's it's all um it shared experience uh-huh. if it's going to be like that you know yeah uh, the you know i have i have a laptop and of course i can watch a show on it if i choose to but in the in general the computers and devices are the private use is intended for work and scholarly activities and entertainment is a yeah. group activity yeah yeah. So that's that's something I think that that makes a huge difference for us and um we don't by not making a huge emphasis on a lot electronic or individual entertainment. Yeah. It, it's natural that the relationships take a higher priority. Um we we read books at the same time and come together to discuss them. We yeah. pass um written works back and forth that we've we've done to see, you know, get p- people's input. Um, the older children have taken turns um, creating classes and mentoring opportunities to work oh. with the younger children. And, uh-huh. and it's just, it, I know it sounds a little bit idyllic. I feel like a little bit like I'm talking like that, that older mom that I mentioned. <laughs> like, wow, is that like for real? But no, it really, it, it's yeah. something that, that is working for our family and, and has unfolded naturally because of the way, you know, our, the things that we put emphasis on yeah. all through yeah. the years. Yeah, the way that you've been shaping, you know, making your family a priority, making your your culture, your routines a priority, making this your methods of education, you know, with the with the TJ Ed methods of mentoring and priority being classical classic works, you know, and things like that. Those are that's a way. That's that's a part of what your culture, what your your family values, and you shaped your family culture around that those values. Which and is- I, I should I, I would absolutely say that. And while our family has a high emphasis on teaching and writing and just sort of a literary based um, culture, um, I would say that in this day and age, um, even though some families might have an, a, something that is they're more focused on than writing than than we are. Um, the important thing in this day is to realize that our freedoms and our families need special attention. They need nurture. Yeah. And to do that, I think 
you really do have to look to the values of the past and make sure that we don't lose the good things as we, we make progress as a society, quote unquote. Yeah. There's so many more conveniences. There's so many, you know, just yesterday somebody said to me, it's, it's so weird. My daughters don't even understand that you used to not be able to say what was the weather in Kazakhstan on February 5th, 1975. And, <laughs> you know, and your device, there was no device to answer that. Right. Really? It used to be that way? But, <laughs> Well, well, we are making some so much progress in terms of technology and the arts and and so forth. There are things that only go forward with us from generation to generation if we give them due consideration. And family yeah. culture and societal freedom are two of those things. And because of that, we put a high emphasis of on those things in our family studies and our family discussions. And I think it behooves us all as families in a society that we hope to maintain free to give that kind of attention, no matter what other special emphasis meets our needs. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Any last words of wisdom? What can we do as families today? Um, just keep your head in a happy place. Don't let great be the enemy of good. Just because mm. you can't have it all perfect, don't 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 feel like you haven't got nothing going for you. <laughs> you've got you've got so much to be grateful for and so many strengths that are just exactly what your kids need, just exactly what your marriage needs. Bring your best you, trust others to do their best and and live live happy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rachel. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. Of course, I love everything that Rachel had to say. She's a real inspiration, and I love all of her work. I especially appreciated what she said about how being a parent is like a constant game of hot and cold. I think anybody that has ever had a small child or a baby has has been through that. You think, oh, I finally gotten their sleep schedule figured out, and then the next night they wake up ten times in the night, and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I knew what I was doing. And it's just not that easy. Families and kids are unpredictable, but I love what Rachel said about taking the time every six months to to purge or taking time every week to reevaluate and realign yourselves and your lives with what your priorities are, what your values are, and especially evaluating what your children need to help align them with what you value and what you believe and what you hope for them. And I've really learned this in my life each day that I make mistakes. I'm not perfect, and that's okay. You know, we talked about in episode one with Nicolene Peck that self-government is being able to recognize when something's not right, stopping and starting over, trying again. And I've learned a lot about that through grace, that every day I can rely upon the Savior and His grace to, to overcome. And grace is His enabling power through His atonement that he can lift me up and give me that strength that I need when I feel weak, when I feel imperfect, when I feel like I'm struggling. So I really appreciate that perspective of hot and cold. This doesn't feel right. That's, this feels right. Let's try this. And especially when you're trying to 
raise a child that they don't have a vision so easily. And so we provide that consistency as much as we can, but it comes from being able to stop and re-navigate, renegotiate what you're doing and, and just have our priorities straight and what's really important. So thank you, Rachel. That was wonderful. You can check out Rachel's work again at tjed.org. And there's an amazing amount of resources there on tjed.org. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or on my website at homeandfamilyculture.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at the Home and Family Culture Podcast. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I really thank you for your support. And please like and share and comment and rate and subscribe. Thank you so much.